Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. On this edition of the Pro Wrestling Index, my co-host from Booker T's Reality of Wrestling, Brad Gilmore joins Mo Chatra and I for a spirited conversation about what he thinks is best for business. And the three of us break down the entire night of Champions Card and event coming to you from the Toyota Center in Houston, Texas, this Sunday, live and only on the WWE Network. All that and more this week on the Pro Wrestling Index, only on the Anfield Index podcast channel. Welcome to another edition of the Pro Wrestling Index on the Anfield Index podcast channel. I am your host, Matt Topolsky, and joining me right now is my co-commentating colleague, my co-host, and my color commentator for Booker T's Reality of Wrestling. Also, my co-host on Your Opinion Doesn't Matter, a five-day-a-week podcast experience in the United States, Brad Gilmore. What's up, Matt? What's, what's up, Matt Topolsky? Say hello it's- to the U.K., it's great to be back in the UK. It's morning again in the United Kingdom. Uh, I'm excited to be back. You know, we had a fun time when we talked about the SummerSlam recap, wrap up our thoughts. I enjoyed that very much. So I always like to talk uh, about wrestling, maybe not talking to you, but I always like to talk about wrestling. So Thanks. I'm excited to be here. And uh, and hopefully we'll have Mo Chatra, my, my co-host on this program, join me a little bit later on. Join us, if you will. But yeah, you, I want to talk to Mo. Yeah, I hear Mo's got some issues with Nikki Bella, uh, and I want to voice my opinion. Ooh. Well, the challenge has been laid down. We'll see if Mo. The gauntlet it. is laid out, Mo Chatra. Are you going to show up? <laughs> hey, well, listen, man. Last week on the show, uh, Mo and I, as well as the architect of the Anfield Index, one Gags Tandon, had a great conversation regarding. Three key issues revolving around the world of sports entertainment. One of those was the impact of dirt sheets and the internet on professional wrestling and sports entertainment. So let me get your thoughts on that first because you didn't have an opportunity to join us in the roundtable last week. Is it a good thing that dirt sheets have lifted the curtain, Brad Gilmore? What do you think about this? Um, well, it's interesting because, you know, I check the dirt sheets quite uh, often to kind of get in tune with what's going on in the pro wrestling business, sports entertainment business, you know. Um, but lately, I've kind of I've kind of kept off of them just because, you know, I'm tired of things being spoiled. Like I, I like I knew the whole time for Battleground, like I knew Taker was going to show up. I knew we were going to see Sting soon because of the rumors 
They spoiled Sting's debut at the Survivor Series last year because of the dirt sheets. Now, I like finding out this information because I'm a fan of wrestling and I want to know as much as I can about it. But at the same time, I don't want to know anything about it. I want to be able to watch and be surprised and be like, holy hell, Sting is here. What? But don't you think that the dirt sheets have, have almost forced sports entertainment in a way to evolve? No. Um, I don't know if the dirt sheets have forced sports entertainment to evolve because the dirt sheets, quote unquote, have been around since, you know, whenever, you know, since there were literal dirt sheets that were passed around from wrestler to wrestler uh, in print form. I think the Internet has changed the business just because the Internet has not only changed wrestling, it's changed everything. You know, right now we're doing a podcast, which 15 years ago didn't exist, you know, on the Internet through a vehicle called Skype. You know, I mean, none of these things existed uh, before the Internet. So I think the Internet has just changed everything, not just pro wrestling. Um, now, am I a fan of the dirt sheets? Uh, no. But do I read the dirt sheets? Yes. Do I wish I didn't? Of course. But I can't help myself. I want to know what's going on. It's like a car wreck. You just can't look away. It, yeah, you just can't look away. When it says, like, I remember the, the, uh, the headline troll was, the biggest spoiler you'll ever read ever. And I was like, well, shit, I got to read this. And so I pulled it up and then that's when it spoils Sting for me, right? And I'm like, oh man, I wish I didn't, I wish I haven't read that so I would have known, so I wouldn't have known that he was going to make his debut. So yeah, it's like a car wreck. You have to look, you have to click. I mean, they, they put that clickbait out there and they force you to. Um, but I think now after talking aloud, I think I'm going to unfollow and unsubscribe to any dirt sheets that I'm currently uh, get my information from because I, I don't want to know anymore. I if you tell me Matt Topolsky, I'll take it from you, but I don't want to read it from the masked man. Well, now, what happens when the dirt sheets start writing tall tales about Brad Gilmore? I mean, don't you want to hear it first? Don't, 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 don't you want to be the first one to get the rumors and speculation and conjecture about what you're doing behind the scenes? No, I don't really care. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. I don't need to read about what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. Um, which, by the way, there's an interesting website that launched this past week called pwpodcast.com or pwpodcasts.com, one of them. It's under the uh, family of websites, under the PW Torch family of websites, uh, you know, championed by Wade Keller. And they actually are doing like week-to-week -week recaps of heated conversations hosted by Booker T, which I am the co-host of, most thankfully I'm the co-host of. We had Wale on our show last week, and um, they did like an itemized, time-stamped review of, of heated conversations, the episode with Wale. But here's my problem. They gave us a 6.5 out of 10, and that's just not okay. And you know what they cited? They didn't talk enough wrestling. Well, if we're not talking enough wrestling, they don't put us on a pro wrestling podcast site because I do want to get this out here in the, in the open. We don't only talk about wrestling on heated conversations with Booker T. We talk boxing. We talk MMA. We've got we've ventured into politics and current events. We've had musicians. We've had wrestlers. We've had boxers. You know, we I mean we had Wale. You know, we've had Brian Angel, who are from the music world. Um, we've had. Uh, heavyweight champions of the world. We've had um, Mighty Mouse Johnson, Demetrius Rumble, uh, Demetrius Rumble Johnson, uh, Anthony Rumble Johnson, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. We're going to have Evander Holyfield this week. 
You know, I mean, we're not just, I know I'm ranting, but we're not just a pro wrestling hey, podcast. Hey, hey, listen, Sorry. To, listen to Sorry. me. Listen Sorry. to me. So Sorry. listen to me right now. All right. Okay. Now okay. I noticed this on Twitter the other day and I wanted to bring this up because you're talking about guests for your show. Yeah. For, for, for Booker's show and, and the show in which Booker. you co-host. Well, yes. here you go. Somebody on Twitter asked the new voice of WWE SmackDown, Rich Brennan, when he was going to be featured on Heated Conversations. When are you going to get Rich in the hot seat? You got to talk to Booker about this. <laughs> well, you know, actually, we want to hear what Rich has to say. You know, I would love for Rich to come on the show. Um, you know, Rich, obviously a colleague of both of ours from the reality of wrestling days when he was uh, there before he got signed to WWE. And I, I mentioned it literally well, on the well, last. Hold on week. a second. Let me be let me be clear about something. He was my colleague, but Anthony Pratt was your colleague. OK, oh, those are two entirely <laughs> different people. <laughs> well, Rich Brennan was never your colleague. Rich, uh, different last name was your colleague. I don't know if I want to. No, he it. was Rich Brennan on on Summer of Champions. Oh, go, go yes. check the tape. Check the tape. Oh, you're right. Me. You're right. Anthony Pratt was my colleague. Yes. Um, who later became Rich Brennan uh, through some sort of weird kayfabe name change. Um, kayfabe name change. Uh, but no, we, I brought it up to Booker. Literally, you can listen to it on the show. I brought it up to Booker. I said, when are we going to get Rich Brennan on the show? And he said, when he becomes a bigger star. <laughs> oh, man. He sent a shot to Rich. Come on. No, I I don't co-sign that one. No, all right, Rich. Hey, so listen, another thing that we talked about on the show last week, which is something that you and I have disagreed with quite a bit um, uh, on our other podcast, Your Opinion Doesn't Matter, is the issue of what's best for business. Now, I actually took some heat on this show last week because I said that what was best for business is, is pretty much the status quo. Um, Others said that uh, what's best for business is a hybrid uh, that, that was Gags. Gags uh, said that's what was best for business. Mo Chatra said what was best for business was the Attitude Era. Um, what say you, Brad Gilmore, about all this? What, what do you think is best for well, business in, in the WWE right now in terms of writing and booking and the way the product's presented? Well, I, I, you know, if, uh, I might catch some heat for this one, but I'm going to go out here and say this at first. And I, I would love uh, for Mo Chatra to join because I'd like to ask him why he chooses the Attitude Era. Because um, in a sense of booking and good storytelling, look back at the Attitude Era and really tell me that, that was good booking and good storytelling. Um, there were some definite highlights, but there are definite highlights in today's WWE. Um, so I, I actually – I don't glorify the Attitude Era like a lot of pro wrestling fans do. I mean – Quite frankly, it wasn't the great. I mean, it was the biggest popularity. You know, it had the biggest. It was when wrestling was at its peak. Um, but you know, just because something's generating a lot of dollars doesn't mean the content is quality content. Let's look at the Michael Bay Transformer films. Now, I'm not saying that the Attitude Era was the level of a Michael Bay film. Um, but what I'm saying is, you know. We, we tend to glorify the era because of the, the popularity and the peak that wrestling reached throughout that period, especially with WCW and uh, WWF going head-to-head all the time. But to me, the Attitude Era gave us two, you know, two, three of our biggest stars ever in the history of the business, Stone Cold Rock, Triple H. You know, maybe you could argue Triple H in and out of that. But um, I think that the Attitude Era is way over-glorified. It's not as great as everyone cracks it up to be because they put those raw Attitude Era shows up on the WWE Network, and I went back and watched them, and some of them are very unwatchable. 
they did some crazy stuff that wasn't any good, honestly, in my opinion. Um, some stuff they do today uh, isn't great at all either, but some stuff they knock out of the park. Same thing in the Attitude Era. So I think the booking um, of, of the, actually the mid-2000s on SmackDown was the way you need to book everything from now on. Now, that was a product of Paul Heyman's writing. Am I right? <clears throat> I, th I believe you are correct. I believe Paul Heyman was the brainchild of that era of SmackDown. From, but from like 02 to 05, SmackDown was my favorite show on television. Um, I liked it. I watched it more than Raw. I was more of a SmackDown guy. When I retrospectively look at it, and, and when I go to the WWE Network, I look at those SmackDowns from that era, and there was great stories being told. Um, and there, was, there were always compelling stories being told. And if, if that was Paul Heyman's doing, then, then kudos to Paul Heyman because it was a great booking. Everything paid off. Everything made sense. You had people get built up like an Eddie Guerrero to go over Brock Lesnar to become the new WWE champion, and you bought into it. You believed Eddie Guerrero, who was always written off as a cruiserweight. You could believe that he would be the new heavyweight champion against a monster even back then, the size and, and the, the ability and the strength of Brock Lesnar. You wouldn't think there would be any chance, you know? Um, and, you know, and they inserted Goldberg in that match, but whatever. But what I'm saying is, like, the booking, everything paid off. JBL comes out of nowhere as this, this, this new political, you know, New York blue blood kind of guy or whomever. And, and, uh, and I, I believe him as this legitimate – JBL, a guy who is Justin Hawk, Layfield or whatever, Brad, Black Jack Bradshaw. Bradshaw from the Acolytes Protection Agency. This guy, I believe, is a main eventer because of the booking back in that era of SmackDown. I believed him. I think that's what we need. To, we need to go back to that model. If it's a Paul Heyman model, then let's break out the Paul Heyman playbook because you're able to. He was able to make stars out of guys who were always going to be looked at as mid carders or tag team, you know, competitors. I mean, that's what that's what Paul Heyman did his entire career. I mean, he did yeah. that his entire career. He took, he took in many respects guys that, that that couldn't open the show for Nitro or Raw, and he made them into stars that Vince McMahon or Eric Bischoff would later sign. Yeah, no, I mean, that's exactly what what he did with ECW. But now, now honestly, and ooh, I'm gonna catch more heat for this man. This is got this is gonna be a heated conversation. No plug on that one. But I think the booking that Paul Heyman did in WWE when he was the head writer of SmackDown was far better than anything he ever did in ECW. Wow. Um, I look back at ECW. Um, if you watch the ECW television show, it isn't good. There's nothing about that show that is good. Well, all of the show, well, all of, I mean, it, so, so are we talking about the original ECW shows? Yeah, because, because, all, because all, matches. Well, all, yeah, all of those shows were just a highlight and, and a sales piece, an infomercial, if you will, for a pay-per-view. I yeah. mean, that's, that's, that's all it was. But you also have to think about the fact that this is a show that was being filmed on a shoestream budget and, and edited in his parents' basement. You know, so well, yeah, but I, I mean, uh, that's what I'm saying. Like, why do we think why do we talk like it's the greatest thing ever? Well, because I think it's it's one hell of an accomplishment that he was able to 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 use little to no resources and transition that into a television deal with TNN, which you know didn't go far. But to go from where he was 
uh, with ECW to getting it on cable television, I think uh, is a huge feat in itself. Well, when well, you well, consider well, the well, fact, hold on a minute. When you consider the fact that Dixie Carter, for the last decade or so, or however long she's she's been in charge, or she's had uh, her hand on the checkbook for TNA, ha- I mean that that how much uh, have they spent annually on on total nonstop action wrestling? And millions, millions, I mean, millions of dollars, tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions. And here we go again. Once again, they're being canceled. Um, Well, okay, wait, hold on. Let's back up for a second here, because, I mean, to his credit, Paul Heyman did make something from nothing. I'm I'm not taking that away from him. But would he have gotten that TNN deal if wrestling wasn't at the peak of popularity of which it was back in that in in that time? Which he would know, which which he had a huge hand in sparking. I mean, the attitude era doesn't happen if ECW's product doesn't force WWE's hand. Uh, you know, people say that, but I think I think what forced WWE's hand maybe was a small influence from ECW, but what forced their hand was WCW, and and honestly, Vince was bringing Blitz. ECW on the show. Yeah. Okay. So so it What's definitely it, so it definitely had a hand in it. He liked what he, said, he liked what he was it seeing. A, it didn't have a hand. It had a finger. It had a finger in it. Okay. What really had a hand in it was WCW, the NWO, and the Click. That is what forced and Bret Hart. That's what forced Vince to go into the the Attitude Era. I don't think anyone can debate that fact. I don't think ECW had as much to do with it as any of those other contributing factors. You don't have an Attitude Era if Vince McMahon. You don't have an Attitude Era if Vince McMahon didn't screw Bret Hart. There's no Attitude Era. And, and ECW had nothing to do with that. WCW did. There's no attitude there if Vince didn't screw Brett or Brett screw Brett. There's Here, no attitude there. Here's, here's one thing that I will agree with you on. I, I, I do think that that period of SmackDown is one of the best periods in the, in the history of, um, of sports entertainment. I really do feel that way. From a booking standpoint, yes, 100%. I mean, I don't know if anyone can look at it and say, man, that was poorly booked. Um, well, no, I mean, it, off? No. It, it had some of the most logical storylines that we've seen in the last in the last 15 to 20 years. There was also less talking and more wrestling, which which was a huge point. But also, if you remember the cruiserweight division on SmackDown during that period of time, reminded me a lot of that mid 90s, um, that mid 90s period on Nitro. And, and SmackDown was, I mean, maybe because of the one they were a network show and they were able to kind of get away with a little a little bit more. Because, I mean, I mean, SmackDown, not because it was a network show, but because SmackDown was always seen as the number two show, the B show, the, the little brother uh, to Raw. So they were able to get away with a, a few more things. Like, for instance, a one-hour Iron Man match between Brock Lesnar and Kurt Angle on free television. That would never happen on Monday Night Raw, even today with three hours of Raw. And, you know, I think that's one of the reasons they were able to get away so many things because they were looked at as the little brother. Um, but being the little brother, you kind of you, you, you got you, you kind of got you got to get away with more. I mean, I really don't know how else to put it because Paul Heyman took chances and they paid off. And when you have a vision area like Paul Heyman, but then you have somebody like Vince McMahon who's going to come by and bow because we forget Paul Heyman may have written the show, but Vince was still a character on SmackDown in that period because he was the evil owner of SmackDown. This was before general managers right. and all that. He was the owner of SmackDown, and Ric Flair owned Raw. You know, so I, th- was- I feel like I feel like we could dedicate <laughs> we could dedicate an entire podcast just to the the Smack the the Paul Heyman SmackDown years. 
because I oh, feel yeah. I feel He's- like they are some of the most underappreciated years in the history of of sports entertainment because everybody talks about the Attitude Era, but the way that show was booked, the way that show was scripted, we saw the rise of Brock Lesnar come from that. We saw John Cena make yeah. his debut and be created from that. I mean, Eddie um, Guerrero, Rey Mysterio, Edge, Batista. Yeah. Yeah, well, no, well, Batista kind of had a nice run, but he was really made on Raw. But I mean, you know what I'm saying. Randy Orton made his debut on SmackDown. Well, listen, ask and you shall receive, my friend, because we have Mo, Mo Chatra on the line. Mo, welcome to the Pro Wrestling Index, the show you co-host. <laughs> Thank you very much, man. Yes, yes, I'm finally here, better late than ever. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad to be here. Hey, so um, are you suffering from a hangover from that Liverpool performance earlier? Is that what this is? What is going on here? <laughs> what happened? Yes. What happened today? Goodness, it was uh, well. At least we scored a goal. That's uh, that's that's a great thing. Um, yeah, it was again a very dreary, uninspiring performance. It probably uh, part of the reason why I'm joining you late. But yeah, uh, yeah that compounded by the awful, horrible, violently disgusting performance at the weekend against Manchester United, our great enemies. Um, they've combined to make it a very depressing time to be a Liverpool fan. I'm sure you feel the same as well, Matt. Yeah, I am. Um... And the whole thing is, is, and I posted this on Twitter earlier, I'm, I'm not going to do the whole hashtag Rogers out thing because it's become so ironic because everybody knows that he should be gone at this point. That just like FSG, I'm just going to back the manager until we head to the relegation zone, you know, because, <laughs> because that's what they're planning on doing. I, I, I honestly believe that, that they are completely unaware of the fact that this team stinks right now. I, I think because they're, they're so – they're so not checked into this that uh, I, I really think that they could care less until December or January. And then they'll come back and have a conference call and say, oh, hey, Brendan, how are things going over there? Well, they'd never turn up for matches, so uh, that's not a good sign. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they're long-distance owners. And, uh, you know, that's not that's an excuse. I mean, Manchester City's owners, um, despite being a lot wealthier, do seem to turn up to the more games than um, our owners. So I think it's a matter of time now before FSG decide to sell up. And um, I think they're gearing up for that. They'll get one stand built and um, the new television deal will kick in. So next summer is a good time for them to cash in on their investment. And uh, I think that's what all fans are secretly hoping for. Grateful to FSG, obviously, that they bailed us out of a desperately dire situation yeah, five years ago. But... Uh, you know, they've only got a certain financial might, and that can't compete with the money of FS uh, of clubs like PSG, rather, and Chelsea and uh, Man City. So, um, I mean, FFP being dead as well, it's uh, time to move on. So, thank you. Uh, but we wish you all the best in your future endeavors. Yeah, well, and there are plenty of great pods on this channel to to listen to football talk about. And uh, so we're gonna we're gonna move back to the the world of sports and entertainment. We have a big weekend taking place here in Houston, Texas. This Sunday marks Night of Champions. Um, so, what's the level of excitement from both of you, gentlemen? We'll start with you, Mo, uh, on this big event coming up on Sunday. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited actually. Um, it's uh, a decent lineup, not one of the year's better lineups in my view from a match quality perspective. But uh, the big appeal for me is um, seeing Sting 
um, and seeing how he'll go one on one for the title against Seth Rollins. And um, you know, I'm a big, big Sting fan. I've been a big fan of Sting since the late 80s. So it's a long time. And uh, around that time, he was probably my favorite wrestler. And um, a nice guy. I got the pleasure to interview him once um, about 10, 11 years ago in person. And um, he was very nice. Um, I was only given 15 minutes of his time. He actually allowed me to sit in with him for 45 minutes. So, um, and he didn't need to do that. So I appreciated him even more um, from then. And uh, very eager, very keen to see see um, how he fares one-on-one with, uh, with Seth Rollins, but we'll go into more detail on that later on. What about you, Brad? What's your level of excitement for this Sunday? Man, I'm, I'm super excited. Hopefully, I'm going to be in the building. I, I want to see this event live and in living color. Uh, like you know, like Mo said, Sting is the big draw for me for this show. Well, there are plenty, can- there are plenty of scalpers, man. So... Yeah, no, yeah. I know. I know there are a bunch of scalpers. <laughs> there are a bunch of scalpers. I, I mean, I'm trying to see how this I can guy is way. trying to angle his way into this into this thing without having to pay. That's what's going on. Many <laughs> contacts in the WWE. I'm sure you can arrange something. I'm, I'm sure we might be able to work something yeah. out. But but like Mo said, you know, Sting is is the big draw for me. I mean, I can't believe who would have thought that you know within a year of his debut. Uh, in in WWE, Sting would have uh, lost at WrestleMania for one, uh, competed in a tag match on Monday Night Raw, and then gone for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. I mean, when I think about returns to wrestling, think about Brock Lesnar when he came back in 2012. It took him two and a half years to get a shot at the WWE Championship, and here this uh, this one in one rookie gets a shot at the <laughs> WWE Championship. <laughs> This is this is more ridiculous than CM Punk going into the UFC. I mean, what is going on here? No. Who is this you NXT know. rookie, Steve Borden? Who is this? <laughs> he just they just put the rocket booster on this kid. He went straight to the main event. Why is he not getting booed out of the building like Roman Reigns? But seriously, I'm really excited for this uh, for this uh, event. Uh, I think I'll, I think I'm a nine and a half out of ten, honestly, for night. Wow, of man, yeah, that is that is high. It's it very is. high. Gosh, well, hey. Why don't we break down the card? Let's have a little fun with this thing. Uh, before before we do that, though, I uh, I was uh, talking to Brad before we started the pod tonight um, about a Grantland article that I was reading earlier. It's a fascinating article. I suggest everyone go check it out because I've been talking about this on this show, the Pro Wrestling Index, and on the show that Brad and I do together, Your Opinion Doesn't Matter. Go check that out at opinionpodcast.com. But Grantland.com says no faces, no heels for WWE Night of Champions. And they're referencing the authority of all people and talking about how they are faces in one segment, heels in another. How do you guys feel about this? Does this make you uneasy at all, or is this the new norm in sports entertainment? Well, it's um, to an extent the new norm. I mean, we've seen it increasingly often this year where talent um, almost flipped from being face to heel from one segment to the next, never mind from one week to the next. And um, you've got examples of that, like the Bella Twins, for example, Big Show, um, even from week to week, they just change and with no rhyme or reason. It's just presented on TV, it's just thrown out there, and you have to accept it. And um, the authority, again, great example. Um, they're going out there, being baby faces, putting over the Connors Cure, which is a great cause, obviously, um, but then layering the show, um, being back in heel mode. So um, the whole lines around 
the healing face divide, which you know we've talked about, Matt, for um, at length for a number of weeks now, is is certainly being blurred and. Um, you know that that that's um, in some ways a good thing, but it's also um, a bad thing that it can confuse the audience. And from my experience, a lot of wrestling fans like their wrestling to be nice and simple. And um, if they don't know sometimes whether to boo a person or to cheer for them, um, it can confuse them. And um, when that when that arises, then it can lead to them not reacting because they don't know how to react. Uh, so, and we saw some of that also quite recently with the Undertaker and Brock Lesnar, where the Undertaker came out big cheers, but then he was pulling out um, the low blows, and then the reaction was almost silence because they didn't know how to take that. So, um, there's just that element of confusing the audience, and then that results in a lack of crowd reaction, and that's what you don't want. Brad. What do you think? No, I mean, yeah, I think I think Mo put it uh, very eloquently right there. I mean, when when fans are confused on to who who to cheer and who to boo, you're going to leave them just sitting there in silence because they I mean they don't know what's going on. Now, I mean, when it comes to you know, I read this article by the masked man David Shoemaker on uh, uh, Grantland.com, and and uh, he I mean, he focused primarily on the authority, and and to me the authority is a whole other thing because. I, I, I'm not, I'm okay with it with an with an the authority toting that line and, and being a fence sitter as you call it, Matt Topolsky. Like I don't have an issue with that, to be honest with you. Like because they're just like real bosses. Sometimes the boss gives you a bonus, but then fires the person next to you, even though that person was your friend. You were cool with that person. He didn't like them. It's just it's just him being a, a regular person or her him or her being a regular person. So with the authority, I don't really care. But back to Mo, what Mo was saying when he had a Brock Taker thing, or you see the Bellas flip flop all the time, or you see Big Show flip flop all the time. Really, with Big Show, you kind of become uh, indifferent uh, uh, to him either way. Now I'm, I like the Big Show. I'm a fan of the Big Show, uh, but I can see why some people in the audience might either despise him just because he just because you know they don't know. They're just like, wh where do I go with this? I mean, he's a heel one day, he's Team Cena, then he's fighting Cena, he's knocking Cena out, and then he's helping Cena beat the authority again, and then you're like, what's going on? So, I mean, I can understand some frustration on that side, and, and sometimes why the fans might feel indifferent about a performer. So, yeah, I agree 100%. Well, speaking of feeling indifferent, why don't we move to the pre-show, and we'll start there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Neville and the Lucha Dragons taking on the Cosmic Wasteland featuring Stardust and The Ascension. What do you guys think about this matchup? Does this matchup play any role other than to fill time? Nope. <laughs> I agree. Fair, fair enough. It's, it's a time filler. Yeah, throwaway match, um, as I used to call it. And, uh, yeah, it, it's going to have a, a few flippy-floppy moves from Neville. Um, Stardust being Stardust. Um Ascension being a waste of space and the Lucha Dragons coming out with their flippy floppiness. But, um, yeah, it's just going to be there for the pre-show. And, uh, you know, two seconds after it's finished, it will be forgotten about by most of the people that watched it. So, yeah, yeah. no, I 100% agree with Mo. Uh, I, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I mean, I 100% agree with Mo. Uh, 
you know, back in the back in the day, if we want to say that, you know, they had dark matches before the pay-per-views, right? If we talk about Night of Champions, Matt, before we went live here on, on the Anfield uh, Index podcast or the, the Pro Wrestling Index podcast on the Anfield channel. See, I, I knew what I'm talking about. Before we went live, I was running down the, the Night of Champions card, the first Night of Champions that was in Houston, and the dark match was Carlito versus Super Crazy, right? No one cares about that match. No, I remember being in the building and everyone was still trying to find their seats and they were just trying to get popcorn when that match was going on. And I think they've they've taken the dark matches, would have just been there to fill time and kind of get the crowd ready to go. They've taken those and decided <laughs> to televise them. Televise the matches nobody cares about. And that's what they're doing right now uh, with, with this kickoff match. I'm surprised you remember it, Brad. So well done. Why well, I, I look, I looked. He up was using a cheat sheet. Let's not give him that much credit. <laughs> <laughs> but I do remember the match after looking at it on Wikipedia. Hey, 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 Mo. So, what do you think of of the Stardust gimmick? Should Cody Rhodes stick with it, or is it time for Dashing to come back? What 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 do you think about all this? Because Brad and I had a back and forth on this earlier. Uh, I'm I'm a pro Stardust kind of guy. He wants Cody to come back. What do you think? With with. With Cody, I see somebody who can potentially be a, a top act, um, a headline act. Um, I think he's got the charisma. I think as a worker, he's, he's pretty good. I mean, he's, he's not a great worker, but um, he's certainly more than competent. And uh, I don't think he can achieve that with the gimmick he's got. And I'm surprised, actually, that he's persisting with it, given, um, you know, with his father passing away, obviously, quite recently. And I think some people did expect him to come back with a new look and uh, a return back to... Um, possibly a, a face Cody Rhodes but um, that hasn't been the case and uh, yes yeah, so I think a lot of people are being slightly confused about um, the character he's acting even more bizarre than he did before um, he had that few week break so I don't really see where this gimmick goes I mean if I could see what direction it could go in then I'd say yeah carry on with it but um for me, it's just him treading water. So if that's the case, um, whether it's dashing Cody Rhodes or whether it's um, the babyface uh, clean-cut Cody Rhodes, um, but either way, I think he has to ditch what he's got. Fair enough. Well, hey, guys. See? Two to one. You disagree, man? You disagree? He well, does disagree. Hey, I, listen, his opinion doesn't I, matter. I'm a fan of Stardust. Okay, gentlemen, I just want to point that out right now. I don't know who this Cody Rhodes guy even is, all right? As far as I'm concerned, Stardust is Stardust, and Cody Rhodes has left the company, all right? So <laughs> that's, that's where I am on this. Hey, so, so, so we have Seth Rollins in two matches at Night of Champions. So it's my suspicion that the show may open with the United States Championship matchup. What do you gentlemen think about that? Well, that's um, you know a good way to open the show. I mean, Seth Rollins, as we've talked about on this show on plenty of occasions, is just about the best in the business and clearly has to work two matches. So it makes sense that if he's going to go on last for his other match to go on first. Um, good way to kick off the show, almost guaranteed to open it with a great match. And um, Cena against uh, Rollins is going to be almost certainly and without question a fantastic contest to open the show and um, it's one I'm, I'm really looking forward to Seth Rollins and John Cena when they meet one-on-one -on -one, almost always have great matches so um, that's the right thing to do I mean some people disagree thinking it lessens and cheapens the uh, 
the star act, the world champion, by having him in the in the curtain jerker. But um, I don't see it that way. I think it's a unique showing that you've got your um, top guy working two matches. So if that's the case, separate the matches out. It wouldn't make sense for them to be back-to-back or even for them to be three or four matches apart. Have them at the start and the end. So that makes sense. I agree with it. Uh, I mean, yeah, I agree with what Mo's saying. Um, but uh, some interesting things. You know, if, if they were to book the matches back-to-back, that would be to set up Seth as a babyface to overcome back-to-back matches. You know, they've done it in gauntlet matches in the past, so like Monday Night Raw. I remember when Daniel Bryan was fighting the Authority. He had to fight like three matches in a row um, to get something. I forgot what it was. Um, but do I think that John Cena... And Seth Rollins will open the show. Now, when we talked, Matt, previously, I thought they would. But literally, just maybe seven minutes ago, officially seven minutes ago, I got an email from WWE uh, with an advertisement for WWE Night of Champions. And, and I find this interesting. Oh, because... I thought you were releasing an internal memo on the, um, oh, on the no. podcast or something. Here. Yes. <laughs> no, but, but this is what I found interesting because, the uh, you know, it says United Champions this Sunday in Houston. And the top build match, there's a picture of John Cena and a picture of Seth Rollins. And it says Thanks. Seth Rollins versus John Cena for the United States Championship. And then further down the advertisement, it has a also see Roman Reigns, Sting, and the Wyatt family. Now, isn't that interesting that they don't that they don't hype the main event being Seth versus Sting for the World Championship? The top build match is Seth Rollins versus John Cena I am for the absolute, United States Championship. I am absolutely shocked by that. It's pretty crazy. And rarely does WWE do anything anymore that shocks me. But if they're at God, that that's that's really bizarre. It I mean, is. Are they, are they just banking on 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 the idea that most of the people that will be attending this match don't know who Sting is, one of the most iconic performers in the history of sports entertainment? Because because Sting's picture is is at the bottom of the advertisement next to a picture of Roman Reigns and at. The very top, it's Seth Rollins and John Cena. As a wrestling fan, that kind of disturbs me a little bit. <laughs> it's interesting. It's an interesting choice. I got an email from WWE Israel today. Oh, wow. <laughs> what do you got? Yeah. Raw general manager? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. No, um, this was from the WWE Network hyping the show, but uh, conversely, it's got a big picture of Sting at the top with... Um, three pictures of uh, key matches from the show and the top picture is actually Rollins against Sting. So that agrees with what what our expectation of the show is, which is that that match is last and Sting is almost the uh, feature performer of the show um, because obviously it's only the second time. Yeah. 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 Well, well, I so, just, well, I just got an email as well from WWE. <laughs> and uh, it's about the network. It says my credit card was declined. So, <laughs> well, look at that. So, there you have it. Well, yeah, you, uh, know, you know, Matt Sapolsky, you've paid for the network since it's come out and I you have no benefits from it. I haven't. They haven't. This is the thing that I've talked about so much. Uh, privately, of course, is that I have paid. I was one of the first people to sign up for this network. I have paid for it every single month religiously, despite the fact that I don't always watch it. And yet not once have I received any sort of promotional codes, free items, or even so much as a digital thank you from WWE for this. Now, see, I have. I've received no respect and more. I'm the so Rodney they- Dangerfield of wrestling fans. No respect. <laughs> Taking you for granted, man. Yes, yes. 
Well, hey, so listen. So let's assume that John Cena and Seth Rollins are going to open this show. Uh, what do you gentlemen think about that in terms of predictions um, and thoughts on the match itself? I mean, obviously, Mo's looking forward to it. I am as well. I think, I think Brad, you are as well. Um, yes. it, it would be hard not to look forward to this matchup. What do you think happens? Because this is big. What happens to start this thing off sets the chain reaction for the rest of the night. Well, I think that um, we could end up seeing a title change in the first contest. And um, for me, it makes sense for John Cena to get that title back. Um, I think it would be good for Seth Rollins to focus poorly on the world title again. I think it's cool that he's got these two straps and you're walking around with them. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's a title that has been built up this year. Um, got a bit more momentum behind it than it had in previous years with Cena as champion. So i like to see that come back. And uh, for me, putting the title back on Cena would make sense, um, but have perhaps a match, uh, sorry, an angle after the match, possibly during the match, um, it's certainly on the Raw to set up another program. Because um, whilst it's, it's been cool to do this kind of storyline, um, I think it'd be a bit too much if we start to see it regularly with Seth Rollins, where he's um, working two different programs simultaneously. So for me, it has to be a title change and uh, Cena to get the title back. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think that's a very logical way to to go about it, is putting the title back on John Cena. But you're right, Matt. Whatever happens in this first match will almost kind of give us a, a pretty big clue on what's going to happen in the main event against Sting. But I think it's funny that Seth Rollins, we we proclaim him to be, and and for the most part, he is the most talented performer on their roster right now. But we're saying we think. John Cena needs the United States Championship back because he's brought more prestige to it um, than the current world champion has. I mean, is that what you're kind of saying, Mo? Yes, it is, yeah. I mean, and that's not a knock at Rollins. I mean, he, I'm one of his biggest fans, but um, certainly in terms of the title, it's more of a prop at the moment than it was than, than a title. And um, certainly when Cena was defending it weekly on TV, um, it certainly had more of a title feel to it, whereas at the moment um, that's not quite been the case in the last several weeks since he won the title. So for me, um, having the title back on Cena. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. 
real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm potentially having him program it with um, one of the other talents on the roster would make more sense. And um, one of the things that I am particularly keen on is to ultimately see the US title be dissolved, uh, perhaps amalgamated with the Intercontinental title, but then for one single secondary strap to be around, which would be the Intercontinental belt, because that's the original secondary belt in the WWE. So um, it's always been a bit of a remnant from the days of the brand expansion when we had two different rosters um, and allegedly two different companies. And um, now that that brand expansion has been, uh, for all intents and purposes, um, ended, it just doesn't make sense to have two secondary titles. So get Cena to win it um, and then perhaps have um, Kevin Owens again um, come through and uh, perhaps have a unification contest with Cena. I like well, you know, you know, you know, Mo. Uh, one one quick thing I want to I want to bring up before we move on. Um, you know, it's interesting though that you talk about that the United States Championship was like a remnant of the brand expansion because I remember listening to the show last week and you were a big proponent of the Attitude Era. And in the Attitude Era, you had three secondary championships, really four secondary championships, when you had a light heavyweight championship, a hardcore championship, an intercontinental championship, and a European championship. Why do you think they're able to balance those out better in the Attitude Era than they are with two titles now? Because those other belts um, were certainly mid-card, lower-card, um, or even comedy belts. And uh, certainly they're looking to have a more prestigious um, kind of all around the secondary title or titles. And that's why they put the titles on Cena and uh, Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania this year. But um, for me, having that one single title would make sense for me because we now have ostensibly the NXT title as that belt for the talent that are kind of at the lower level, albeit they're on technically a different brand. So for me, that NXT belt serves a purpose that perhaps would have been f filled by those other titles you mentioned um, back in the Attitude Era. So for me, that would be enough. And I think um, having fewer titles in the WWE would add to the prestige of all of them. Um, if we start having too many, um, then it certainly dilutes the title picture. And it, it also means title matches mean less. And we've seen that in UFC, or, or obviously it's very different to WWE in, in certain respects, but in other ways it's very similar. And we've got a lot more titles there now than we used to have five, ten years ago. And as a result of that, when you've got a title match on a pay-per-view, it means less for pay-per-view buy rates than it did um, back then. So by the same token, um, if we've got fewer titles in the WWE, when we see a title match, it means more for ratings, or it means more for um, network buys as well. Fascinating stuff, guys. Well, hey, we, we've all agreed that John Cena is going to come out of this, what we believe will be the opening matchup, moving on with the United States Championship. So we are going to get back to the journey of Seth Rollins in a minute. But let's move on to a matchup which could be a throwaway match if it wouldn't be for the fact that two-thirds of the Shield and Bray Wyatt were in this thing. I'm talking about Dean Ambrose, Roman Reigns, a partner still to be chosen versus the Wyatt family. What do you guys think about this matchup? What are the possibilities here? Off to you, Brad. 
Okay. Um, yeah, Go ahead. I mean, get wow. it, Brad. Get it. Well, you know, I mean, the possibilities for this. Now, first of all, I want to say I remember the the Shield versus the uh, versus the Wyatt family at like I think the 2014 Elimination Chamber and how awesome that match was. And then when now here we are in 2015 at Night of Champions, and I really don't care about this match at all, um, to be quite frank. Uh, the only thing that I'm intrigued on is who's going to be their mystery partner. And I know, Matt, you and I talked about that there's a few potentials. You mentioned uh, on, on our other show, your opinion doesn't matter, that it could be Jimmy Uso. I think it's Jimmy uh, Uso. I do. Which, which, which isn't, you know, a smart decision. I don't know if he was kind of ridden out of the story from the beatdown by the Wyatt family on SmackDown. Um, but, you know, a couple other rumors that are going around, like I said, Brad, uh, Brad Meltzer, what's his name? Uh, Dave Meltzer uh, mentioned that potentially The Rock could make a return. Now, I don't think that's likely, um, especially The Rock just announced he's going to have a, a new baby, a new pebble, if you will, uh, added to his family. <laughs> and then um, <laughs> and then uh, uh, the, the third choice that was, was, was discussed, which I think is the most likely, not that I'm saying it's the most exciting, uh, but another choice that w- was brought up was uh, Eric Rowan making his return, but he was out with a bicep injury, so I don't know if he's cleared to return. And then finally, the last rumored man has been Baron Corbin from NXT. Um, To be quite honest with you, aside from The Rock, I didn't really care about any of those uh, candidates. Um, But I do pick the Wyatt family to win this match. Well, there you go. Mo, what do you think? Yeah, it's um, one match where there is a little bit of intrigue because there's a surprise entrant into the contest and uh, people are scratching their heads thinking, oh, who could it be? And always like those types of matches, um, even though um, more often than not, the person that you uh, end up seeing coming through the curtain tends to be a disappointment. I'm hoping it won't be. I'm hoping it'll be somebody completely from left field, um, but somebody quite exciting and somebody who will certainly... Uh, get the fans to uh, pop and um, on that basis I'd quite like to see Samoa Joe as the Ah. third individual Um, the reason for that is um, like Roman he's Samoan um, so that's a good link there Um, but also um, in terms of this kind of six round match I'm expecting quite a wild type of match Um, he'd be very very good in that position so um, he's, he's, he's somebody who's very easily at the level of the main roster guys anyway so he can certainly come into that match and uh, more than uh, handle himself and look every bit uh, WWE superstar so I'd like to see something like that but I've got a feeling that it'll be Eric Rowan. I've got a feeling he's back from injury. And uh, from a storyline perspective, that would make more sense. But, um, yeah, it wouldn't be great for the match having him in the match. So. I mean, what? boring. I mean, that's what I, I I feel like Dean Ambrose and Roman Reigns need to be shaken out of apathy a little bit. It's, it's, it's dry. It's stale. Remember how excited we were a few years ago when we had the Shield versus the Wyatt family? How, yeah. And what what an awesome moment that is. And now we have the Wyatt family against two-thirds of the Shield. But it just doesn't feel the same. And I don't think Eric Rowan is going to add excitement. I think I'd rather watch paint dry. Um, yeah. So, I mean, how well, do you, how do you I, remedy I, this? Well, you know what? Just while we were talking, you talk about someone out of left field. Um, who? Storyline, hashtag kayfabe continuity. It makes sense for this for this man uh, to be involved with this. He is currently touring with WWE and still has a contract with him. What would y'all feel about Chris Jericho, who's known for making the surprise returns? 
Well, yeah, that wouldn't be a, a bad shout as well. I mean, he was at um, the WWE hash show at the weekend, I believe, in Calgary, and um, worked a match there. So that's um, a very good call, and certainly one of these guys who can just pitch up, having been off for a few months, and have a great match. So um, match quality-wise, he'd certainly be a very welcome addition, and um, he's obviously got the history with um, the Wyatt family. So... That would be a very good call, and um, I certainly wouldn't be disappointed if he came through the curtain. But, um, yeah, uh, WWE in these types of scenarios usually does disappoint me, so I'm expecting Eric Roman. All right, well, fair enough. Well, let's move on to uh, another match, which um, it hasn't generated a ton of excitement. I- I'm-, I'm excited about it because I like to see Dolph Ziggler in action. It's Dolph Ziggler versus Rusev with Summer Rae. Is this finally the end of this rivalry? Mo? Let's hope so. Good. Uh, yeah, this whole storyline is, is not really for me. I mean, it's something we've seen a thousand times. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's cool that they do the kind of whole cat fight thing. They obviously can't call it cat fight anymore um, between Summer Rae and Lana. But, um, yeah, it's uh, a storyline that's just been going on forever, it seemingly, and um, doesn't really go anywhere, hasn't really elevated Ziggler or Rusev. It's just two guys that have been pushed together into a program because they don't really know what to do with them. So uh, the sooner they end this storyline, the better, and uh, let both guys move in a different direction. And uh, also with Summer Rae and uh, Lana too. Uh, that said, um, some of the acting um, in this storyline from Summer Rae and Lana has not been too bad in fairness to them. Um, in similar positions, um, other talent have been really, really poor, cringeworthy acting. So I'll give them some credit for that. But, uh, yeah, it's not something that has really done much for me. And um, judging by crowd reactions, it's not really done a huge amount for many others. But you might disagree. Um, you know, as far as uh, the – is this the final match in the storyline? I think 100 percent No. Um, I don't think we're going to see the final payoff. And, I mean, maybe we won't see the final payoff. But, I, I mean, I thought they were building, and I know she broke a wrist, but I thought they were building to a mixed tag match. And I still think that's the way out of this thing. Um, because, I mean, we're not going to be, according to the storyline, the storyline won't be resolved until there's some sort of uh, 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 ending or resolution to the, the Lana Summer Ray feud. I mean, because now I think this is more than just a Ziggler Rusev thing. It's a Lana Summer Ray thing. And I think we need to see that come to uh, that feud, that match come to fruition before we can say this feud is over. The acting is terrible. I hated that TMZ style promo thing that they did twice last week on WWE. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with, Z- I'm going to go with Rusev to win the match, but I don't think it's going to be it. All right, you say Rusev, Mo. I guess it really doesn't matter who wins or loses. <laughs> I don't really care much. Yeah, yeah, as long as this match is on, I guess everybody loses. But but listen, Summer Rae, she's been looking better. Uh, I'm, I'm becoming a bigger fan of her, so I will be watching uh, for her, if not for anything else. Let's move on to the big guy, Ryback, defending his Intercontinental Championship against Kevin Owens. The unapologetic Kevin Owens uh somehow tried to save that Ryback promo on Monday night. He couldn't because it was that bad. Um, what do you guys think of this matchup? Brad, we'll start with you. Uh, does, does, does Kevin Owens walk out of Night of Champions with the Intercontinental Championship? 
You know, I don't, I think it would help him at this point. I mean, uh, Kevin Owens came in uh, came in hot against John Cena in that storyline, and um, and I think he's kind of dipped off a little bit since he hadn't really been given anything solid. He's had some great matches with Cesaro, but nothing of real. Uh, storyline credit you know there's no there's no real meat on the bone when we talk about kevin well actually there's plenty of meat on the bone when we talk about kevin owens but um that wasn't a shot i'm just stating fa facts only hashtag um but i'm saying there hasn't been enough meat on the bone of the character you know what i mean and and I, I want more out of him and i think a heel champion like what he did with the nxt championship would be great for kevin owens he's a prize fighter he's after those championships so if he can get that i think we can see some more evolution on the main roster for kevin owens and 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 not so much just i mean, i'm not mad at the great matches all the time but i want to see more from the character i want to see this guy grow i want to see him uh evolve into a main event player and so uh, I think maybe an Intercontinental Championship run as a heel champion, you know, beating up everybody, kicking everybody's ass, will do a lot for Kevin Owens. That's how I feel. Well, it's um, another one that I'm kind of in, in have mixed feelings about. It's something that involves Kevin Owens, so that's great. Um, but then the storyline um, that is built up to the contest has not been particularly great. Yeah. yeah, it's essentially um, now becoming something about books. So they've got to use a, a book as a foreign object, I think, as a finisher for this contest. Otherwise, um, no point having these books as part of this angle. Uh, so um, they yeah, should have it, this. They should have this match in a library. Yeah, that's a great shout. Yeah. Well, maybe the second one will be. Yeah. Uh, so yes, it's it's a, a strange one, and I think that um, they probably let the the wrong writers um, loose on this storyline because um, it's not been particularly inspiring. That said, um, I want to see Kevin Owens win this title, and I'm sure he will. It makes a lot more sense for him to hold this uh, championship. And as I said earlier, if um, John Cena can re regain the US title. That sets things up nicely for those two. I know that we've had those two have a number of matches on big shows this year on the network, but um, I'm certainly not sick of them. I think they've been great together. The chemistry between them has been fantastic. Um, so if they've got one more match um, to unify the secondary titles, then I'd be all up for that. Awesome. Well, listen. Let's move on to the Tag Team Championships. The New Day, they are hotter than they've ever been, and they face the Dudley Boys. The Dudley Boys are back in the WWE, and they will be at Night of Champions, and I think someone is going through a table. But the question is, do the Dudley Boys come out with the tag team titles? I'm really excited about this matchup. What do you gentlemen think, Mo? Yes, I am, certainly. I mean... The uh, Dudleys came back uh, a few weeks ago and um, they had a massive response and um, they certainly haven't lost a step. Um, they are still a very credible act um, certainly don't look like old timers who um, can't do it anymore. They still have relevance to the current era. So from that regard, I think um, they'll certainly um, have a very big part to play in the contest. And... Um, I think they've been good. I've enjoyed what they've been doing on TV, and um, the whole save the tables thing is is good as well. I like it. So um, it could go either way. I'd quite like to see the New Day retain the titles, though, because um, you know, as I've talked about 
on a couple of occasions on the show they're a guilty pleasure and they're becoming more than just a guilty pleasure now because uh, I think there's more of a widespread uh, acceptance that this is actually a really good act now and uh, Big E for me is just one of the most entertaining guys in the business he's just fantastic and uh, I like to see them retain the titles and uh, keep on carrying on I know we've talked about some stagnation in the tag team division and um, certainly Dudley boys have helped to alleviate some of that um, malaise over the last few weeks but nonetheless um, the New Day as an act are growing hotter and hotter and uh, I'd like to see him stay in that top spot for a, a while yet Agreed. Brad? Um, well, you know, I think the New Day is killing it. You know, they've been one of my favorite acts on television. You know, even Triple H and Stephanie got down with the New Day this past Monday on Raw. But um, I, I think we're going to see a title change here. I mean, why bring the Dudleys in only for them to lose on their first attempt at the titles? I think put the titles on them, let them have a run, make the New Day, maybe get the primetime players involved in this uh involved in this uh, feud, this rivalry. Maybe we could see some more uh, triangle ladder matches here in the future. You know, you got TLC coming up right around the corner. Um, who knows what's going to happen with the Dudley boys, but uh, I, I think they're going to win the championships. Uh, I, I want to see them win the championships. I want New Day. I mean, I want New Day to stay relevant in the picture because I love them. But I think if you're going to bring the Dudleys in and you want them to see, be seen as a credible threat, then you got to put the titles on them. And you got to say, man, look, the Dudleys came in and they kicked ass, and now New Day's going to have to go right back at them and try to figure out some kind of way to uh, to win the championships back. Now, a lot of people have been uh, throwing this around the internet: is that you know Xavier Woods has been acting more of a manager than a wrestler, and they're like, well, when is Xavier Woods going to get injected into this program? And some people are saying as soon as the Dudleys bring in Spike Dudley to go one on one with Xavier Woods, uh, Matt, what do you think the what do you think the likelihood of something like that happening is? I think it's unlikely um, because I I think that Spike Dudley is widely regarded as an ECW guy first, and I and I and, and I don't know what Spike's been up to. I don't know if Spike's even in the shape for it. Um, who knows? I could be wrong, and if I am, I will be pleasantly surprised because I always appreciated what Spike Dudley brought to the table, especially with his antics in the hardcore division. Uh, that being said, I don't understand any criticism whatsoever regarding Xavier Woods. Xavier Woods is perfect exactly where he is. Um, I want to wrestle. That guy's the most talented wrestler. He's a great wrestler, but he's a great wrestler. But what he's doing right now is perfect. If it's not broke, don't fix it. The only thing that you could do is you could have the Freebird rule um, if you want to insert him in it. But otherwise, I love what he's doing right now. If it's not broke, don't fix it. Yeah, I agree. Um, what makes him even more interesting than they already are is the fact that they've got um, three within the group. And so if you have another tag team also having three, then it lessens some of the uniqueness and the special uh, feel to the New Day as a triumvirate. So for me, um, keeping them as the sole team which has three individuals is the right thing to do. So I certainly wouldn't be looking to um, add a third Dudley into the mix. So for me, um, keep things as they are. But um, uh, Brad, just on the question of Dudley's getting the titles at the, at the show, uh, where would you go with them if they do win the title? Carry on feuding with the New Day or take them in a different direction with another team? No, I mean, I think you, you keep the New Day definitely involved. I mean, you have to because they're the hottest thing going. Um, but I think 
I think, you know, I mean, remember, you know, when you think about the Attitude Era, you think about the Dudleys in the Attitude Era. I mean, the way that that, that whole tag team division strived was on these interweaving storylines. It wasn't one team versus one team. It was one team versus one team versus one team. You know, it was like this trifecta going on with the Hardys and Edge and Christian. Why not recreate that in 2015 since it worked out so well? Maybe we don't have tag teams that are at the physical ability of, of the Hardys or, the, or Edge and Christian, but you have guys like the primetime players. You have guys like the Lucha Dragons who could fill that void. And you have this triangle feud going on. Like I said, maybe paying off in a, in a TLC match at the TLC pay-per-view. The namesake of the match that the Dudleys invented. Why not give them a run with the titles that carries through the end of the year and maybe you can drop them back to New Day um, when, it, when it matters most? I mean, that's what I would do. All right, guys. Here we go. Now, this is going to be fun. <laughs> because uh. Brad Gilmore is a public supporter and a lover of Nikki Bella's. <laughs> Mo Chatchell, on the other hand, not that big of a fan of her in-ring work. Correct me if I'm wrong, but here we go. It's the Divas Revolution and my girl, Charlotte, going for the Divas Championship. Nikki Bella versus Charlotte. Gentlemen, take it away. What are your thoughts on this match? Mo, I defer to you. Let, let's hear from you first on this topic. Okay. Well... Of all of the people I've been criticizing WWE over the last few weeks, uh, Nikki Bell is the one who's been getting it more than probably anyone. Uh, I think this whole Yeah, from John is... Cena. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, good one. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that um, the revolution has been uh, uncategorized, uh, sorry, uh, an undoubted flop. It's just not been a great success by any means, by any stretch of the imagination. And uh, the person that I blame for that is a champion. And uh, Nikki Bella is, in my view, very limited as a worker. Um, beyond just what she does in the ring, um, I think what she has to offer um, as a character on screen isn't particularly great. So the reason she's in the spot she's in is because of who she is with. So. If you take all of that away and if you assume for a second that she wasn't with that guy any longer, um, I think she'd have a much lesser role in the roster and possibly not even be on the main roster. So she's very fortunate to be in that position. But uh, I think the WWE has to put the greater good of the Divas division ahead of one individual. And that, that's why this match is actually more important than just um, who wins the Divas championship. It's about bringing life back into this revolution it needs it because if nikki retains the title then um it just means that the whole revolution is just dead in the water as far as i'm concerned so for me charlotte has to win and i think she will win now that um they've gotten over this whole uh, nikki bella breaking the uh title reign of um, aj lee which they obviously uh, were very desperate to do because they don't want any reference to aj or cm punk seemingly so now that that's over and done with, now's the time to put the title on somebody who really can work, somebody who can really go in the ring, and that's Charlotte. So title change, absolutely 100% has to happen. Go Charlotte. Brad? Okay, well, I'm not disagreeing on the fact that the title should and will most likely change hands this Sunday night of champions. I give you that 100%. But to say that Nikki Bella is only in the spot she's in because of who she's with is absolutely ridiculous. And you know what? I can use that logic against you and say the only reason Charlotte even got a look was because of who her father was. 
So, I mean, when we talk about getting over with an audience and a character, I think Nikki Bella adds, you know, le she, she's leaps and, as a character, she's leaps and bounds more developed than Charlotte could ever dream to be and has more charisma and is a better mic technician, as I say, than Charlotte is. I mean, that's just, the, that's just a fact. Charlotte's trying to get over on what her dad used to do, doing a woo, and she didn't even do a woo that good. Now, now don't get me wrong, she's a great in-ring performer, but that's not all this thing's about. Nikki Bella has been the crown jewel of the Divas division, not only for her in-ring work, but for her ability to get over as a character. You either like Nikki Bella or you hate her, but either way, you feel something about her. You're not indifferent to her character. You know, she got over not because of John Cena. She got over one because, she, let's, let's be honest, she's very easy on the eyes, maybe the easiest of the, diamond, of, of the Divas division to look at. Let's just be honest. Secondly, though, she and her sister Brie have been a staple in WWE for, what has it been, since 08, 07, 08? They've been around for a while. They have a tenor in this company. They're actually, believe it or not, considered veterans, but then they took that to Total Divas. Now, I know a lot of wrestling fans hate on Total Divas, but guess what? Total Divas made a lot of people who have never watched a single frame of WWE become fans. You can say they haven't, but I know my girlfriend personally is more interested in the Divas division and WWE because of that reality show. I, I, I will say to that point as well, I mean, it's, it's interesting because my, my neighbors, my, my neighbor's wife actually hit me up on Facebook earlier today asking me if I was going to NXT tonight because they were going and they wanted to see me and I was like wait a minute you're going to NXT she doesn't know anything about wrestling total divas is what turned her on to professional wrestling and now she's hooked oh, yeah. and, and guess who's the star of the total divas I mean it's Nikki Bella hands down and so I think that her contributions to the business over the last few years have actually been uh, quite extraordinary and I think if you think that she's just in a position just based upon who she's shacked up with um, I, I think that's I think that's ridiculous. And like I said, you can use that logic against Charlotte. The only reason she got a look because her dad was 16-time champ. So, but I do think Charlotte yeah. will win. Yeah, can I come back on that one? Then? Oh, of course. <laughs> Open form, gentlemen. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Nikki Bella as a character, as a heel, is fine. But then, as we've talked about earlier in the show, um, she's flipped from face to heel to face to heel so many times this year, um, I don't even know what she is this week. So that's one thing. The other thing is, I don't actually think she is all that over. When she comes out, um, what is the reaction? I don't actually hear much from the crowd. Um, it's not a very strong heel reaction. It's not a very strong face reaction. It's not much of a reaction either way. Yes, she's certainly easy on the eye. I'm definitely not going to disagree with that. But um, is she over to any great extent? No, I don't think so. What I see is a crowd that reacts with apathy to the Divas division. And um, I don't think she's done anything to dispel any of the um, misconceptions about um, women's wrestling. I think that um, she's done nothing to elevate the quality of matches and um, she's not, in my opinion, done anything to elevate the prestige of that belt, even though she's held it uh, longer than anyone else in the company's history. So for me, there's just nothing that she really adds other than she's easy on the eye. Um, but um, for me, the reason she is in that spot is largely down to Mr. Cena. So uh, that's why I think this whole Divas revolution needs a shot in the arm. And yes, Charlotte, you can throw the same accusation around about a way that she got 
onto the roster because of her father. Yes, she hasn't got the ease on the microphone that um, Nikki Bella has, um, but once the bell rings, um, she's night and day a better worker, in my opinion. So um, Charlotte is a person to win that belt, and I think she has to then move on very quickly to uh, renewing her feud with um, Sasha Banks because that was absolute gold on NXT earlier in the year. So give me more of that, please. Well, I, I will say this, and then we can move on, but I, I do want to say that Nikki Bella is the only person uh, in, in the division to where, you know, Charlotte, like, here's the thing. You put that belt on any other diva right now in the division, and Charlotte winning it on Sunday doesn't mean as much. Nikki Bella's been the face of the division, whether you like it or not. I mean, it, it's going to mean more winning the title from Nikki Bella. And then when we talk about over, as, as far as I'm concerned, I think Nikki Bella's over. And I think she's more over than Charlotte when it comes to a main roster perspective. You put them down in the NXT bubble, yeah, most definitely not. Charlotte's queen down there. Um, but when it comes to mainstream and when it comes to uh, a mainstream audience, which is what the WWE audience is on the main roster, it's mainstream. You I mean, look at Matt, his, his, his uh, neighbor who doesn't even know anything about wrestling is going because it's mainstream now. And um, I think that uh, you're going to find that, uh, that, that Nikki Bell is more over than Charlotte. And this is just my opinion, but um, th that's what I think. So, But I do think Charlotte will win the championship this Sunday and it will mean a lot because she's winning it from Nikki Bell. Well, there you go, gentlemen. Great discussion. Now let's move on to the main event of the evening, or so we suspect it to be. Sting versus Seth Rollins for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. I'm excited about this for a number of reasons. Number one, because we get to see Sting in a main event, a main evented WWE special event or pay-per-view, whatever you want to call it. Secondly, so many possibilities exist for the outcome of this matchup and for the future, not only of the title and of Sting, but, of course, of Seth Rollins. Mo, there's a lot of places to go with this. Uh, where would you go and where do you think it's going to go? Yeah, it can go in so many different directions, and uh, that's one of the uh, great things about this contest. And um, I talked about, on a recent um, episode of this podcast, the importance of keeping things strong for WrestleMania in your home state for uh, next next spring. And um, for that to happen, I just don't see how they can let Sting lose in this one because he lost a very important contest, his debut WWE match to Triple H earlier in the year at WrestleMania. So if he was to lose this, I don't see why he can then continue with his program against Seth Rollins. It just wouldn't make sense to me. So um, for me, he has to win the title. And that's not to say he has to then hold it to WrestleMania, of course not. Um, but certainly it gives him some momentum um, because he certainly lost a little um, having uh, being defeated by Triple H at WrestleMania. So he needs to get some momentum going now. And um, whoever his opponent will be at WrestleMania, um, he needs to go into that match strong because he potentially can be um, somebody who can shift tickets. They're going to have to sell 90 to 100,000 tickets. That's a huge, huge number. And most WrestleManias that they've run in the last few years only sell in the region about 60. And I think most WrestleManias have not even sold out. They've always had um, a few thousand that have not quite sold out and they've had to pay for these events too. So to get 
that many fans into Dallas, that's just a huge ask. So they've got to have every big gun uh, firing, every big gun strong, and uh, they need Sting to be a big ticket mover. So for me, Sting has to win the contest um, to set up a rematch. So uh, that means, obviously, that I'm saying Seth Rollins leaves the show uh, without both of his belts. But that's good because um, he's a heel and fans like to see heels get the comeuppance and to get it twice in one night uh, would be even better so ratings haven't been fantastic recently so that perhaps would be a good way to go about it to see well, what Seth Rollins reaction going to be after having held two titles to have nothing the next night so that's the way to go as far as I'm concerned well I'm going to ask a question before we get to your thoughts on this Brad I'm going to ask a question for both of you all which may draw me a little bit of heat but i think it's it's a relevant question to ask especially when mo points out that you've got a hundred thousand seats to sell um at at&t stadium for wrestlemania is thing that big of a draw anymore huh. i think um the jury's out he's been away for so long and also he was a wcw guy and most of that audience has stopped watching wrestling and that, that's a fact. That's, uh, there's no denying that. Ratings for Raw uh, were significantly higher in that era um, than they are now. And um, by the end, WCW Monday Night, uh, Monday Nitro rather, was drawing around a 2, 2.2. Um, and there was no signs that that shifted over to Raw. Almost immediately after the two companies um, essentially came together in 2001, it seemed like the whole audience just disappeared. Some of them stood, uh, stuck around to then uh, follow TNA, but I think they gave up on that company many years ago. So there's the opportunity to potentially bring some of those fans back to say, okay, for one night, let's see what Sting can do. And um, in that respect, you know, that on its own might help to shift um, a few thousand tickets. Um, it was certainly a loyal fan base. And for them to see that guy um, compete possibly for the last time, um, perhaps could be an attraction. So, yes, he won't be somebody who will be the biggest ticket seller by any means, but um, I think he could still do something for ticket sales. So I'd certainly look to keep him strong. But I agree, he's perhaps not the, the draw he was. Um, and certainly when he came out and Raw um, for the tag match this past Monday, um, certainly didn't get a huge mega reaction. Uh, but um, in front of the right audience, I think he still means something. And that's why in front of the hardcore fans that predominantly attend WrestleMania, um, he, he would still mean something too. So keep him strong. And um, I think he could, he could certainly be an asset in terms of shifting tickets. Brad, what do you think about that? Is, does Sting still have the draw power? Uh, you know, I think he has power to sell a few, uh, you know, I think a few thousand in the right match, definitely, even maybe even more than that. Um, Sting has always been a staple in the professional wrestling business, and I think if you really do that Sting-Taker match, even though it might be on in-ring, it won't be that great, um, I think it'll move the number, because think about this. If they want to do 90 to 100,000 tickets, I don't think that's, honestly, I really don't think it's out of the question. Um, because if you look at WrestleMania 23 back in 07 at Ford Field, they did 80,000 people with a main event of a hair versus hair being Donald Trump and Vince McMahon. And the wrestlers in that match were Bobby Lashley and Umaga, and they still did 80,000 well, tickets. You can thank Trump for that, sir. Well, okay. you know, yeah. if I think— <laughs> It's going to be huge. If, I think if you put— 
Sting and The Undertaker in a match. It's going to be it. It's going to be number one in the polls, CP. It'll be number one in the polls. I think they can move the number. So, yes, I think Sting is a draw, maybe not to the extent of what he might have been back in the late 90s, early 2000s, but he's still a draw. So so what's what's your thought about this main event, man? What, what, do, you, what do you think is going to happen? Does Sting come out with the championship? Does Seth Rollins get screwed? Does Seth Rollins turn face and tell the authority, no, I'm not going to accept your help? Does Triple H screw him over? What happens in this, Brad? Well, you know, um, some of the greatest WWE pay-per-views of all time have always had an overarching story going throughout the night. Now, already we're going to have this, you know, two matches from Seth Rollins be a story. But with this prediction... I've just realized that I am predicting every championship to change hands at Night of Champions. Now, maybe the likelihood of that is not as high as uh, I think it is, but um, I, I think Sting will walk out the WWE World Heavyweight Championship and carry the belt for maybe about a month until dropping it to Seth Rollins very quickly thereafter. But I, I, I think that we're going to see a title change. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just feel like what Mo said, like, like you know, you got to build this guy up you got to give him more than just a win on Monday Night Raw in a tag team match. You've, you've got you've to put the title on him, and, and I hope they do. Now, I said it before, I think Seth Rollins tapping out to Sting on Monday night isn't a good sign that Sting's going to walk out the champion, um, just based on WWE logic and booking. But I'm hoping that he walks out the new WWE World Heavyweight Champion, and every championship change hands this Sunday at Night of Champions. Well, there you have it, guys. The predictions are in. Uh, let us know what you think by tweeting at us at the PW underscore index on Twitter for the Pro Wrestling Index. Before we get out of here, we'll start with you, Brad. Shameless plugs. You have a lot going on right now. We have a lot going on together. Uh, tell all the listeners across yeah. the pond about Brad Gilmore and some of the projects you have going on right now. All right, well, make sure you check out the five-day-a-week show that Matt Topolsky and I host called Your Opinion Doesn't Matter. You can get it at OpinionPodcast.com or on iTunes. Also, this Sunday, September 20th, is not only Night of Champions, Reality of Wrestling May 6th debut on the CW Network, Channel 39 here in Houston, Texas, and I'm sure you can get it online as well. Go to RealityWrestling.com for more details. Also, every Saturday night here in Houston, Texas, at 7 p.m. Central Time, Booker T and myself host Heated Conversation a show where we talk wrestling, boxing, and MMA, and we have special guests all the time. This week, we actually have Evander Holyfield, the real deal Holyfield, and um, yeah. make sure you check out the podcast version of that on Play.it. And last but not least, check out Back to the Future, the podcast. We're in our second season, uh, along with my great co-host, David G. Mitchell and Normie Norm Benford. Um, we're looking back at the greatest film trilogy of all time, Back to the Future, and you can find that at backtothefuturepod.com or on iTunes. Do you sleep? I don't. At Brad Gilmore, by the way, on all social media. <laughs> I don't think you sleep. Um, <laughs> Mo, what, what, what do well, you Well, I certainly do. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that is true. Well, you know, you, I mean, you're, you're, you're a working man as well, though, Mo. So, um, so you've got an excuse. Um, what, do you, what do you got going on, my friend? What would you like to plug and let everybody know about? 
Well, um, just to reiterate uh, the plug I sent out last week, um, it's Power Slam. Uh, it's released an ebook. That was a magazine I wrote for for many years, and um, the ebook has just been released to critical acclaim. And it's called Pro Wrestling Through the Power Slam Years 1994 to 2014. This was um, the UK's number one wrestling magazine um, until it folded last year. Um, very influential magazine, and uh, Back in the day, back in the Attitude Era, uh, before that, it was read in many dressing rooms in WWF, WCW, ECW. So it uh, was a very popular magazine within the business and um, certainly influenced many wrestlers that you see today, um, such as Finn Balor, to get into the wrestling business. So, um, you know, it was a magazine I was very proud to be a part of. And um, the editor, Finlay Martin, has released... Uh, very special book covering and chronicling not only the business but also the history of the magazine itself um, so if you uh, want to check it out certainly go on to Amazon and uh, you can find it there awesome awesome guys well thanks Brad for being on the show and uh, thank you Mo for, for coming in and uh, and fulfilling your duties as well <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, yeah, uh, listen, never. yeah, right. Um, listen, everybody, uh, thanks for listening and thanks very much uh, to gags as always for giving us this awesome platform on the Anfield index uh, podcast channel. Uh, thanks to all the new listeners tweet at us. Uh, you can tweet at Mo Chatra, uh, on Twitter. You can tweet at Matt Topolsky on Twitter. And of course at the PW underscore index on Twitter as well. And follow along for, um, for the ride as we uh, will answer any questions you have. We'll try and cover any topics or suggestions for topics you may have on future shows. And uh, also check out everything that Brad Gilmore and I are doing at, at opinionpodcast.com and uh, also the reality of wrestling at realityofwrestling.com. We are making waves, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>